Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from multiple locations in the San Gabriel Valley of sunny Southern California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead people to Jesus, a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you and opens your heart and inspires you to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Christmas. God bless you. Good to see you. If you're here for the first time tonight, I'm Jim. I'm your pastor, and it is great to be with you in this beautiful season. Thanks to all of you who showed up this morning at our pantry, even today. A lot of pantries closed for this weekend because people are busy, and we were one of the only open pantries uh, and fed another, I think, 160 families today. I think we set a record today alone. Uh, so thanks to all of you who showed up and helped with that. Uh, and all of you who have invited in this season, I met a lot of First-time guests tonight, a lot of friends tonight, uh, and all of you who have been involved in decorating the church and preparing. I thanks, I'm thankful for this church uh, and all that it's taken to bring us to this place. Um, we're coming to the end of 2023. If you hadn't noticed, that's you can turn the page on that calendar. We're uh, we're about to cross off another year, and 2023 is an interesting one. I always try to think at the end of the year about what. I'm going to remember from the year and what are kind of the markers that summarize this year. And this has been a hard year for a lot of people, right? I mean, anybody who had to buy a gallon of milk this year, it's been a hard year, right? Anybody who had to put gas in the car, it's been a hard year. And there's already like all the like murmurings of uh, uh, political turmoil, you know, that bode poorly for 2024. So I, I think a lot of people will come to the end of this year and, and maybe feel like I, I put out a lot of energy. I did a lot of work this year. I'm not sure that I got out of it what I put into it, right? If you're on top of that, if you're dealing with personal loss, if somebody has passed, or it, you can come to the end of the year and feel like I I did a whole bunch of stuff this year and all I am is tired, and now I have to host a party, and uh, and so uh, I don't know if you know that experience, but everybody sooner or later has that experience where you feel like you're putting out a lot of work and all you're getting is smoke but no fire, right? All you're getting is 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 heat but no no light. And uh, 2023, I think, is going to feel like that for a lot of people. It reminds me of uh, an experience I had when I was uh, a little bit younger, when my parents first moved out here to be uh, near my kids out here in California. They had been on the East Coast, and they moved out here because we had little ones. And it was Christmas. We, we rolled around at Christmas time, and they were in their, their new home. And we decided we were going to go uh, have a little fire in their new fireplace. They moved into a house that had a fireplace. We were going to build a fire. And I thought, you know, I, was, you know, I had young kids. I was, I was thinking, well, I'm... I'm dad, so I'm going to teach my kids how to build a fire in the fireplace at Christmas. That's a good dad thing, because I'm dad, the source of all wisdom and light. And um, so we go out and we buy a little ream of firewood, and we bring it back to the house. And literally, I'm not making this up, in the car on the way back, we're telling a joke about a family whose first fire in the fireplace was so exciting because they forgot to open the flue. Ha, ha, ha. And I didn't realize the foreshadowing that was going on, right? If it were a book, I would have said, oh, Lenny's going to die because the dog died. But it's in real life, and so you don't realize you're part of a literary device. And so we get back to the house, and, uh, and I'm, I'm stacking wood in the fireplace. And my son was younger then, so I'm explaining to him about combustion and oxygen. I haven't taken a chemistry class since high school, but I'm dad, the source of all wisdom and light. So I'm explaining chemistry to my child as I'm building this. And then I go, and there's a lever that opens the flue on the fireplace. So I throw the lever. I throw the lever because you open the flue. We just made jokes about this. I throw the lever to open the flue on the 
fireplace, and I don't realize that the lever is not attached to the flue because it's a new house and nobody's checked. So I light a fire, and immediately the living room fills with smoke. Like, not a little bit. There's billowing smoke in the living room. And so we run to the windows to open the windows to let the smoke out, and we realize there are these weird little locks on the windows that we've never seen before because it's a new house. Nobody's opened the windows yet, and we can't figure out how to work the locks. And so now there's smoke everywhere in the living room, and the fire alarm goes off. Not the kind with the batteries in it, the kind that's wired into the wall. And so we go running around the house looking for the panel to turn off the fire alarm, and nobody knows where it is because it's a new house. And we finally find it in a closet, and we stare at it, and we say, nobody knows the code. It's a new house. And so now we hear the doorbell ringing. And we go and open the door, and the neighbors have heard fire alarms, and looking through the living room window, it looks like a sauna, and they come and ring the doorbell, and they say, we're here to help. And I say, I don't need your help. I'm dad, the source of all wisdom and light. And I'm pretty sure my parents repainted the living room and threw away the furniture after that. And that was our experience of the first fire in the fireplace at Christmas time. And for a lot of people, you have that experience where you put out a lot of effort into something, and all you get is smoke and no light. The, the people of God in the scriptures had exactly that experience. They had exactly that experience of working hard and feeling like they were putting a lot into things and they, they, they got no light. There was a season where all they got was smoke. They had, been, they had been in slavery in Egypt and God set them free and they came to trust God and depend on God and look to God. But as God gave them their own land and their own kingdom, they stopped depending on God and began to depend only on themselves. And when they did, what they, what they produced was smoke and not light. And there was a season where things were about to fall apart. And a prophet named Isaiah rose up and warned them and said, if you keep depending on yourself instead of on God, everything's going to fall apart. But I have good news. The day will come where God brings light to your darkness. And that's the promise of Christmas. So we're going to look at that text from Isaiah tonight and what it says about the birth of Jesus. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you so much that you loved us enough to become one of us, God and man, to walk the earth and reveal yourself to us so that we might see you and know you and draw close to you so that we might trust you and walk through this life with you. Jesus, come and be a light in our darkness. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. All right, we're going to read from Isaiah chapter 9, this prophet who lived hundreds of years before Jesus. And in his, in his speaking and writing, he actually predicts the birth of Jesus long before it happens. He describes exactly what's going to happen in the birth of Jesus hundreds of years ahead of time. This is what he writes. Listen to God's word. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. Israel's going to go through a hard time, and then they'll be saved from it. There will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, God humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Put a pin in that. We're going to come back to that. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. 
Now, if you're like me, when you come to passages in the Bible, and I hope you read the Bible a little bit every day, it's a good habit. When you come to passages in the Bible that say things like the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, you look at that and you think, the only class I did worse in than chemistry was geography. Right? You read things like this and you think, it's like when the person gives you directions and instead of saying left and right, they say north and south, and you're like, thanks, Carmen Miranda. And, but don't skip over things like this because this is important. Zebulun and Naphtali were two brothers in the book of Genesis. There were actually 12 brothers. And those 12 brothers became the heads of 12 tribes, which became the 12 bodies within the nation of Israel. So Israel as a country was divided into 12 sections, and these were two of them. And these two were up in the north in this rural area around Capernaum and Galilee. It was the place where Jesus was born and did all of his ministry. He never walked outside of the lands of Zebulun and Naphtali. So what Isaiah is saying here is in the future, out of this this rural, northern, unimportant part of the country is going to come a king who brings glory to Israel. Galilee will bless our entire nation. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born in Galilee, he said this. He goes on. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, now put a pin in that, don't skip over it. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. There's this, problem, there's this promise that God's going to deliver them, that God, God's going to bring light in the darkness, that when they fight terrible battles, God's going to deliver them. And it says, as in the day of Midian's defeat. And again, I know if you read the Bible every day and you've got a schedule and you want to get through it, you come to things like that and you think, I don't know what that is. I'm just going to keep going. But pause on this. It's so important and it's so powerful. The day of Midian's defeat refers to a battle that happened earlier on in the Hebrew Scriptures where a leader named Gideon had a huge army, 32,000 soldiers that he was about to go off and fight and win. And God said, that's too many soldiers. You need to whittle it down. Because if you go out and win with all those soldiers, you're going to brag about it. And when this is done, I don't want you bragging about it. I want you knowing that I delivered you. So he cuts it down from... 32,000 to about 10,000. And God says, still too many, cut it down further. And he whittles it down to 300 soldiers. A general is going to fight a battle with 32,000 soldiers, and he says, how about let's try 300 and see how that goes. This is terrible military strategy. This is like a basketball coach saying, instead of sending the whole team onto the court, I'm just going to send two players and see how that goes. Terrible coaching. But God said, I'm going to do this so you don't take credit for it. When it's done, it'll be clear that I was the one who delivered you. And Gideon goes out and wins the battle. And it's clear they could not have done it without God. So hundreds of years before Jesus, the prophet Isaiah says, the day is going to come where a king is born in Galilee in this northern region, and he's going to surround himself with an army so small there's no way they can take credit for it without God. An army as small as, let's say, 12 disciples. 
Testament, hundreds of years before Jesus, Isaiah says, this is what's coming. And he will win a great battle and deliver the people. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. In other words, the war will be over. They'll be able to throw away all the implements of war because this king is going to deliver them from the end of a, a battle of all battle, of fights of all fights. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over David's kingdom. Because remember, the, the promise was that uh, the king would come in the bloodline of David. This prophecy makes absolutely no sense in the history of the Hebrew people unless it refers to Jesus. Because in 70 AD, Rome destroyed Jerusalem. It was all wiped out. There was no king coming in the line of David. It only makes sense if we're talking about Jesus, who is a descendant of David. He'll come establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. At Christmas, we celebrate the fact that a king was born as a baby, as the prophet foretold. In the land of Galilee, as the prophet foretold. He would surround himself with so small a group that there's no way he could take credit for what he was accomplishing if it were not for God, as the prophet foretold. And he would go on to win a battle that would end all battles. Not a fight with the Roman oppressors, but a battle against sin and death that would hold power for all eternity. Hundreds of years before Jesus walked the earth, the prophet Isaiah described the Christmas story. The day will come when a, a, a baby is born to us, a son is born to us, and people who have been walking in darkness will see a great light. On people living in a land of darkness, a light will dawn. You may have heard that December 25th, was probably not Jesus' actual birthday. And that's right. He probably was not born on December 25th. We, we actually suspect that it was in the 4th century that Emperor Constantine, the emperor of Rome, decided to put Christmas on December 25th because he was rivaling a Roman holiday. The Romans at the time, from December 18th to December 23rd, celebrated Saturnalia to honor the god Saturn, after whom our planet is named. And it was a big party. It was a big party in the middle of winter where they lit fires and they had lights. It was a beautiful celebration. And then right on December 25th, they celebrated uh, Sol Invictus, the birth of Sol Invictus, which was the Roman god of the sun, the god of light. And he was a god who was resurrected just like the sun rose every day. The sun rises every morning. And so they had in the middle of this dark time of the year a festival of lights in which people exchanged gifts and the slaves were set free. And when I first heard that the Christians took that holiday and they said, boom, that's ours. We're going to put Jesus' birthday on your, on your Roman holiday. I, at first I thought they're just doing that out of spite. They're just, they're just trying to take the, the party away from somebody else. 
I'm not sure that's what happened. I think what happened was that they heard what the Romans were doing. We're going to celebrate the birth of the God of light. We're going to celebrate it with a festival of lights, exchanging gifts, a day in which the slaves are set free. And I think those first early Christians said, great, here's our RSVP. We're coming to your party and we're bringing that God with us. The God who you are celebrating, the God of light, we're bringing him with us. The God who resurrects, we're bringing him with us. And just as you Romans believe and celebrate the fact that the sun, S-U-N, illumines the physical world, we're going to bring the sun, S-O-N, who illumines all of life. Thanks for the invitation, we're coming. See, people have the wrong impression of the Christians. They think Christians are here to put an end to all of your partying. We're not gonna put an end to your partying, we're gonna crash your parties. And that's what they did, and that's why December 25th became the celebration of Jesus' birth. Because Jesus' birth is fundamentally a celebration of the fact that in a land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And when you decide to follow Jesus, when you decide to make following Jesus part of your daily life, not just a holiday event, not just a Sunday morning activity, but but a daily commitment, Jesus brings light into your life in at least a couple of different ways. The first one comes from a Christian writer named C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite writers. And C.S. Lewis was trying to make a case for the existence of God against skeptics who did not believe in God. And he said, you you may argue that you can't look at God, you can't see God, and so you don't believe in him. But listen, you can't see the sun directly either. If you look into the sun, it'll burn your eyes. You can't stare into the sun. But it's only because of the sun's light that everything else is clear. You might not be able to stare at the sun, but the sun makes sense of everything else. It illumines everything else. And in the same way, you might not be able to look directly at God, but the existence of God makes sense of everything else. God's existence illumines the rest of life and the rest of the world. And I have the suspicion that in the coming year, in 2024, there is going to be a lack of clarity in our world. I suspect there's going to be a lot of confusion in the year to come. Uh, Next Sunday, I'm going to talk about some some prophecies I have for 2024, if that word is not too bold. But um, I have a feeling that there's going to be a fair amount of confusion in the world around us in this year to come. If you go into this coming year, walking with Jesus every day, Jesus will cast light into the darkness. Jesus will make sense of things that will otherwise make no sense. So the first way that Jesus brings light into our darkness is that he clarifies the world. He makes sense of the world. The second one is more personal. The second way that Jesus brings light into our darkness, I get from a a French philosopher and mathematician named Blaise Pascal. Uh, You may not know Blaise Pascal, but you have suffered at his hand because he invented calculus. He was a devout Christian, he was a devout Christian writer, was very serious about his commitment to God, and then he also invented calculus. And I'm not sure someone, how someone who believes in Jesus could create a torture device like that, but he did. <laughs> well, he was a, a devout Christian who wrote about Christian, Christianity, and he wrote about it in some very philosophical ways. But a day came where he had a transformative experience of God's presence that was like nothing he had ever experienced before. 
and this isn't a metaphor, this isn't a poem. He says, it happened on November 23rd, 1654 at 10.30 p.m. This was something that happened to him at a specific time and place. He said he was so overwhelmed by the presence of the Holy Spirit that it was like nothing he had felt before. And he tried to capture it in words. He wrote, fire, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of the philosophers and the learned, certainty, joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ. Forget the world and everything except God. He is only found by the ways taught in the gospel. Righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. Joy, 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 tears of joy. I have departed from him. Let me never be separated from him again. This is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and the one you sent, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. I left him. I fled from him. I renounced him. I crucified him. Let me never be separated from him again. Complete submission to Jesus Christ. May I never forget your words. Amen. Now, if you don't know an experience like that, the promise here is that God has bigger and better experiences of faith planned for you in the future that you have yet to discover. There are Christmas presents waiting under trees to be opened in a, in a morning or two, and there are experiences of faith that are wrapped up for you like presents waiting for you to discover them. If all you know of faith is sort of a, uh, a, a traditional religion that's a little bit stale or a little bit guilt-invoking, chase after the Holy Spirit this year because the Holy Spirit wants to reveal things in you like you have never experienced before. Pascal said this, this experience that he had went on for two hours. It's an experience of being loved at the core of your being and knowing that Jesus died for you, and he wants nothing but good things for you, that he celebrates in who you are and who he made you to be. Listen, if God has a refrigerator, your picture is on it. <laughs> the promise is that, is that he wants to reveal deeper things in you as you chase after him. Now, if you don't know what that experience is, this may sound like a foreign language. You may, you may think, oh, that sounds kind of nice, but I don't know what that is. I mean, technically, I read this. I could have written exactly the same thing after I set my parents' house almost on fire. I mean, it's the same words, fire, fire, Jesus, Jesus, but it's not the same kind of thing. The, the kind of fire Pascal is describing is not the kind that sets off alarms in your house. It's the kind that sets off alarms in your heart. And if you pursue Jesus and discover him and what he wants to do in you, there are, are presents waiting for you to open. Jesus brings light in the darkness. This is the promise of the prophet Isaiah and the promise of the Christian message that those walking in darkness have seen a great light, that those living in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. Real life this year has experienced God's light 
and we have had the opportunity to carry God's light with us wherever we went. I just told you this morning, we had our, our pantry again. We set new records at how many people we fed today. I added up, because we have the pantry twice a month on, on Saturdays, the, the number of times we've given food per individual out there totaled up over the course of the year. We've fed over 10,000 people in the course of this year. Real life is bringing Jesus' light to our neighborhood. And that's what Jesus wants to do. We went down to Mexico and built a school that's now filled with kids every day. Uh, we're going to go back down again in February and probably build a house or a church because the church is carrying God's light to the world. Jesus is the light of the world, and when the church is faithful to him, we carry his light to our neighborhoods. Uh, we, we have this um, great experience that we started last January where you'll notice on the wall in the lobby, there's a sign that says blessing cards, and you can still take one of those tonight. And what we did is we wrote down the names of eight people that we were going to seek to bless and pray for and give good gifts to and care for and point them towards Jesus. And I told you when we started this last January, if you do this, there may be people sitting next to you at the Christmas Eve services this year that weren't in church at all last year. Uh, and I, I did this, and there are two different people in my life who have decided to follow Jesus this year and somebody else who's a good friend of mine who's reading the Bible for the first time, if you seek to bless people in Jesus' name, you will carry Jesus' light with you wherever you go. We've, uh, we've done a great job um, inviting and reaching out to our um, immediate neighborhood around us. We've had fabulous parties out here on the lawn. We just had our Taste of Glendora where 20 different restaurants brought food and we served uh, anybody who wanted to come. We've had great concerts out here. We had our biggest vacation Bible school ever uh, this summer over here. And, and because of that, people have come close to Jesus. People have found a church that will love them. Uh, we've baptized 18 more people this year because the church carries God's light wherever we go. And Jesus is the light of the world. If you step into a serious, committed relationship with Jesus, if he goes from being just somebody off in the distance to somebody you go through life with, you carry his light with you wherever you go. The church is supposed to be like this. Uh, I had a friend many years ago who was a pastor out in the Midwest. And in his little town, there was a, a river that ran through his town. And there was a, a Christmas where uh, one night, it was probably December 23rd, it was close to Christmas, he was down at the church after dark, working, setting things up and whatnot, and he was there in the church by himself. And it was a cold, snowy little town, so he was not expecting any visitors. And as he worked at the church that night, he heard a knock at the front door. He was a little startled because he wasn't expecting anybody, but he went and opened it. And there on the doorstep, was a man with a, a washed-out and empty expression on his face. And my pastor friend said, can I help you? And the man stared at his feet for a couple of minutes and was clearly looking for the right words, and finally he just blurted it out. He said, honestly, I was standing on the bridge over the river, and I was going to throw myself in. It's been a hard year. And I looked out over the city, and I saw the church. And I saw that there was a light on. And so I'm here. And the pastor took him in. That's what the church is supposed to be. The church is a light 
in a dark world because Jesus is the light of the world. And if you believe in Jesus, if you walked through this life with Jesus, you take Jesus' light with you wherever you go. Jesus is the light of the world and his light lives in you. The promise of Christmas is this. On those who have lived in darkness, a light has shined. On those who walk in a land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Thank God and amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you bring light to a dark world. Thank you that centuries before you walked the earth, Isaiah saw it coming and left this great promise of who you were and what you would do. Thank you that you came and walked among us so that we could see you and draw close to you and know you. If there's anybody who's never taken that first step of saying, Jesus, I want to do life with you. Here's how you do it. You just pray in the quietness of your heart right now. Jesus, I think you know more about life than I do. So I want to give my life to you. I trust you. Teach me and lead me in this life. And if you've experienced a religious context that was just stale and stagnant or religious and ritualistic and it has, has never been meaningful to you, but, but you want that, just pray this in your heart. Jesus, I want to know you more. I want your Holy Spirit to live in me. Help me to experience you more deeply. Help, help me to see you more clearly. Show me that you're walking beside me each day. Thank you, Jesus, that you loved us so much that you came down and walked the earth. Thank you that through you, the light has dawned. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.